She's a real woman with a real life. She's someone you can relate to. Dawn Newton. You don't know me. Welcome to the Don Newton Podcast. I am your host, Don Newton. He was a legendary actor, activist, and philanthropist. He passed away peacefully on August 29th, 2021. Ed Asner was 91 years old. He was a former president of the Screen Actors Guild. He's best known for his role as Lou Grant on both the Mary Tyler Moore Show and its spinoff, Lou Grant. He is the most awarded male performer in Emmy history with seven wins. Mr. Asner's long list of credits include the movies Elf, one of several movies in which he played Santa Claus, and Pixar's Oscar-winning Up, in which he voiced the lead, Carl Fredrickson. I had the opportunity to meet and interview Ed Asner in 2009. He was coming to Bend to perform at our own Tower Theater, the one-man show FDR. And I remember being incredibly nervous to interview Mr. Asner as I had done some research on him. And part of my research included looking at past interviews he had done with other individuals and My takeaway from Mr. Asner's interviews, at least the videos I saw, was that he really wasn't a fan of being interviewed, or maybe he just wasn't a fan of the interviewer or the questions or both. I knew I needed to be on my game when I when I talked with Mr. Asner on the phone. In addition to that, his assistant had told me that she was going to give me 10 or 15 minutes to talk with him. And she said, if he's not feeling the interview, if he's done, he'll be done. He'll be ready to hang up that phone. But if he likes you and is enjoying the conversation, he'll keep talking. And and that's totally fine. I am proud to tell you, share with you that Mr. Asner and I talked for over 30 minutes and we were laughing and joking and um, I really enjoyed the time with him on the phone. My husband and I met him backstage after his performance and I found him to be a very warm and kind man. So I'd like to play for you that interview from 2009 as my tribute to Mr. Ed Asner. Well, Mr. Asner, it is such a pleasure and an honor to be speaking with you today. Well, thank you, Dawn. You're going to be appearing here in the one-man show FDR at our own Tower Theater here in Bend on October 20th. Uh-huh. Is this going to be your first visit to Bend? It is. Having been in the business for over 56 years, culminating a very diverse body of work, including seven Emmy Awards and five Golden Globe Awards, this is your first ever one-man stage show, which is quite a rigorous undertaking. Why did you take on this role? Being 80 years old, I wanted the challenge. And it's a very good challenge. And um, so far, so good. How does the work that you've done in front of the camera over the past 56 years compare to doing a one-man stage show? I'm out there all alone, uh, and there's there's no one to lean on. There's no one to to save me. It's it's me and the the lions and tigers in the audience. Now, in the play FDR, you play Franklin Delano Roosevelt as he reflects on his years in office. Everything from the inauguration to the trials of World War II – Historic events such as the president's famous fireside chats, his observations about life in the White House, about his wife Eleanor, his love affair with Lucy Mercer, the the controversies surrounding the Supreme Court and Congress, all the while struggling with polio. How did you prepare for this role? I had great memories and great devotion to Franklin Roosevelt. He died when I was 15. I thought the... uh, 
that the world had ended. It was uh, a question of what happens to us now when he died. So somebody who had that great an effect on me, I knew a lot about him, and I thought his achievements were phenomenal. They become magnified in history, but they were still phenomenal. And to me, we have never had a president who even approached the achievement and the phenomenon that he was. So he, to me, he is the ideal. He belongs on Rushmore. So he was in office from the age, I believe, since you were three till 15. What are your memories? Do you remember sitting around those fireside chats? I, I don't have particular memories. I love hearing the sound of his voice. I don't remember the points made. I know the deleterious comments made upon his performance, the fact that uh, the accusations of Pearl Harbor, the, uh, the fact that he uh, turned away a boatload of Jews and did nothing to facilitate the bombing of Auschwitz, the fact that he had no civil rights record to speak of. But in spite of all that, I think what he did was phenomenal. No other president has even approached those types of accomplishments. This country was on the brink of revolution, and uh, he, uh, he stopped the revolution, I'll put it that way. You know, that leads to my next question. Being raised Jewish with both your parents being Orthodox Jewish immigrants, what was your feeling or your parents' feeling at that time during World War II regarding the atrocities that were being committed against the Jewish people, as well as what were their thoughts about that boat that FDR turned away that was full of Jewish immigrants? We, typical Jewish families, only feared what could be happening. We had no idea until after the war, I don't think, of the extent of the extermination. That was only in high circles was this, uh, was this information circulated. Uh, for instance, one of the lines I quote in the piece is uh, from Father Coglin, who had a radio show every week. And I've heard that he had 45 million listeners. 45 million. I don't know how accurate that is. But on one of his, uh, at a rally he went to, he got there and he gave the Nazi salute. And he said, when we get through with the Jews in America, they'll think their treatment in Germany was nothing. And that's the kind of anti-Semitism that was evident in this country up until World War II. What were your parents' views of FDR? Oh, I think, I think they, they supported him. I think that uh, even though his accomplishments weren't that uh, noteworthy in terms of Jews, he certainly had some powerful Jews in his cabinet and uh, in his appointments, but they, uh, they recognized him as someone who's, who uh, thankfully was on their side rather than an opposing side. From my research, FDR did not keep any type of White House diary. I doubt that I know of. Right. And I know he had his, from what my understanding is, is that his most trusted and important aide was Frank C. Walker. And then, of course, there was the letters between him and his cousin, Daisy Sulkley. And then, of course, he had his personal secretaries. Where, how was the insight and to have the one-man show, how did those thoughts and reflections, where did those come from? How did they base that? Uh, this was, uh, this piece was done by Dory Sherry, who had, uh, one of the most uh, long-running shows on Broadway, uh, Sunrise at Campobello, which dealt with Roosevelt's earlier years, ending in 1924, I believe. And uh, 
after the success of Sunrise at Campobello, Sherry went and uh, wrote this follow-up piece, which I believe was only done on television, uh, because it is written as a one-man show. So uh, that that's the genesis of this piece, and uh, it, it was done by the Theater Guild, and since I do cruises with the Theater Guild, Philip Langner, its present... Uh, Chief Honcho, and they do a shortened reading of this on the uh, one of the cruises. And he became very fired up about putting it on stage with me. In addition to being an enormous talent, you're also known for being an outspoken political activist. Did any of those FDR years shape the political views that you hold today? I think so. Oh, I think I think they were the the vast the, the main responsibility. My father was geared and keyed to business. Both my brothers were. Although moderately, I, I guess you could say moderately liberal, being Jews, my mother was a loving soul, and I had two sisters, both of whom became social workers. They didn't stay long at it, but they were both uh, trained as social workers, and they probably were the most benign influence in my thoughts. Have any of Franklin or Eleanor's living relatives, any of the Roosevelt's grandchildren, great-grandchildren, seen your performance of FDR? No, they haven't. I uh, ran into Juliana Roosevelt some years ago, a beautiful girl. I think she is now involved with a, uh, a leader of the uh, El Salvador movement uh, who was affiliated with me in uh, Medical Aid for El Salvador. People often refer to today's current economic state as comparable to that of the Great Depression. What are your thoughts about that? I see a great deal of comparison. Uh, I read doomsayers out there who say that this is merely a lull in the storm and it's going to get even worse. Almost, I mean, they, their, their doomsaying reaches to a, even a, a point of finality in terms of financial collapse. And I don't believe that this government is reacting anywhere near as monumentally as it must in com combating this dip to forestall and prevent uh, that future great dip. Who or what have been your influences throughout your acting career? I think that over the years I've, I've drawn most of my inspiration and strength both from the literature that I've absorbed and the actors that I became fans of. Uh, and they varied at times. Tracy, March in the films, but all of the multi multitudinous character actors who populated Hollywood films, uh, they, they meant greatly to me. There's a great crop of actors out there, but they don't have the wonderful routine of performance that leading actors used to have. Edward Norton, I think, is a marvelous actor. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, De Niro in his prime was always worth watching. Meryl Streep, I suppose. And I, others I like in, in limited fashion. Uh, they, they all have something to, uh, to give. And in the end, it's the, it's the auteurs, the, uh, the writer-directors, I think, who create the most important work of all. Uh, the Coen brothers at times, the um, Tarantino, uh, Jim Brooks, Sidney Pollack certainly did a lot to put good movies up on the screen. Uh, the two brothers in Italy, they, they made lovely films. I don't know. I, I, you know, I just roll on and on and on. Is there anybody that um, you have yet to work with that you would like to work with? 
I'd like to see what it's like to work with Norton, with, with Giamatti, with Hoffman. Tarantino, I'd like to see what, what he'd do with me. I worked with uh, Oliver Stone on a movie that I thought he was great in and with, and that was JFK. I thought he did a fantastic job there. So looking back on your career, is there anything that you would change or do differently? No, I, uh, I don't think so. It's not important enough to, to moan over it. So what's next for Ed Asner? I'm doing a Scopes trial in uh, Portland. I'm doing a, uh, a revisiting of Meeting of the Minds, the Steve Allen show, on a reading tonight. I'm doing the Sarah Silverman show. I'm doing the readings mostly. I'm very busy right now. Do you ever see yourself wanting or, or looking forward to that the full meaning of retirement? No, don't be silly. <laughs> That's a silly question. Well, I like your answer. Well, thank you. I truly appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Don, you're, you're, you're thorough. I'll tell you that. Well, thank you. And we look forward, and I will be in the audience on October 20th. Well, come say hello, will you? I will make a point of that. All right. Well, you have a great afternoon. Thank you so much, and thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to the Don Newton Podcast. I'd also like to thank Mr. Ed Asner for granting me the opportunity to interview and meet him in 2009. Ed Asner passed away on August 29th, 2021 at the age of 91. The Don Newton Podcast is written, produced, and hosted by Don Newton. Complicated, under-